Hey, 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 you guys. Thank y'all so much for being a part of this show with Black Canvas Season 7. We have a special guest, Mr. Drew Cutler, here with us. I'm a huge fan of his, and we're so glad that he agreed to be a part of this show. Drew Cutler is a working part of the Brooklyn music scene. He is the co-founder of Unit J, a Bushwick music space, which has hosted hundreds of shows and was nominated for Best Live Music Venue on Brooklyn.com. The singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist graduated on to work with Grammy Award-winning producer David McNair, Scott Lear, and Andy Topp. Recently, Cutler was tapped to organize an eight-piece ensemble for the Brooklyn Museum's Night of a Thousand Boys. The monumental from the sold-out show inspired a torrent of new music and a tour from Boston, Massachusetts to Austin, Texas, South by Southwest. And we're so glad to have Mr. Drew here with us on the show. Thank you again for being here. Hey, it's great to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here on the show, and I have some questions for you. So I'm going to ask a few. If you're ready, we're going to go straight on into them. Yeah, let's let's rock. All right. So the first one I have is vibrate. So can you tell us an example of a time that you felt your thoughts moving continuously and rapidly to and fro? And how did you find a way to center yourself? Well, this song, you know, vibrate is a, a track that I released just a couple of uh, months ago. And I'm psyched that it had a great music video to go along with it. It's been a really successful track. But what you're asking about is kind of a little bit about the nature of the song. You know, when I wrote this song, it happened during the middle of the pandemic, you know, and I lived in New York City during during lockdown. We were stuck in our house for 88 days. It was a weird time full of a lot of unknowns, uncertainty and anxiety. And so this song really was me trying to understand and deal with that a lot. You know, and I just kept on finding that I wanted to reach out to people. And I, I only had the tools of voice calls and FaceTime and zoom hangouts with your family you know we were all stuck with these rather primitive digital tools and vibrate is just really about that sending out love to somebody whether it be a text message a phone call an email like any way that you can kind of put it out into the universe and to just touch on your your question specifically um, you know, I, I've always dealt with anxiety a little bit, but it got re really bad during the, the pandemic, you know, and during those few months. And I think a lot of people have been experiencing a lot of anxiety. And this song, you know, could deal with that or deal with dealing with that in that it's, it's something that you just have to learn to live with, you know. And, and for me, I've had to do a lot more deep breathing and meditation exercises and, um, Whenever I feel anxiety, I just try to put myself back in the world and, and, and be present in that moment. You know what I mean, Jarrell? I most definitely understand what you mean when we talk about anxiety. That's something I've struggled with. Um, I think the hardest thing for me is I struggle with social anxiety. And so yeah. in this career, it's just so crazy. People are like, well, how do you have that? Like, and you're able to be on and to do things as far as my personal life as well. But I can do well in very small crowds. But if I'm in a room full of crowded, of like hundreds of people, I can sometimes second guess myself. Yeah. I, I used to go in and have like um, sweating 
Um, I would have panic attacks and I just learned how to center yeah. it a lot better now than I used to. Um, but I also, what helps me is I can find one person to put my attention yeah. on. And then once I find one person that can help center me, then I'm like, oh, that's not as bad. Um, and then I can expand upon the room, but I would pace a lot. Like I would actually walk around and the more I would walk it actually, that was a self-soothing thing for me. But as you mentioned, as it relates to just the pandemic, there was nowhere to really go. And I think you made a really great point of sometimes we felt almost kind of like boxed in, even though you were still communicating. Um, I always tell people that it's not um, the social distancing, it's actual physically distancing. And I think the terminology should have been changed for the, especially um, by the media stating that, you know, we can still socialize, but we just had to do it in a different form. And so like you said, FaceTiming or, um, you know, Hangouts or, or Messenger, or just people had to find new creative ways to still be a part of, but it was nothing like touching someone, being in a room with someone. I mean, the pandemic definitely shifted the way a lot of us see life um, in general. I totally agree, you know, and in some ways, that's what my most recent music and releases have all been about. It's like, yeah, that stuff was great. And you can, you can talk on the phone, you can zoom and, and, but it's sometimes you just need a hug. You know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. And I, I'm so glad that you talked about that. I think that's something that we need to discuss more about. Um, even though we were living in it, we're still in a pandemic. It just isn't to the extreme nature it was in the beginning. But people still dying from COVID, people still getting sick, uh, people still not, you know, doing the right things. Even if you chose not to get the vaccine, there's still precautions we have to take. And I just feel like that's something, hopefully, you know, with time that we'll be able to learn a lot from this experience, but there are so many lives that have been, you know, lost and unfortunately they're not here, but they're still in our hearts. And that's why I always think I lost a friend to COVID. And I just remember her being such a light and such an amazing human being, but it just reminds me to appreciate what I do have because she was my age. I mean, it could have been me. And so she was in great health. So it had nothing to do with that. It was just, you know, life happens. Yeah. So sorry to hear it. Thanks, Drew. All right. So Drew, I have a question about your hometown. So this is going to be a really cool one. So tell us about growing up in your hometown and what is one value that your family instilled in you as a kid and do you still practice it today? Uh, this song, Hometown, I wrote a song called Hometown. I think that's where the this inspiration for this question came from. But, um, you know, I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I lived there for just five years or so. And then I moved to Tampa, Florida, and I spent a great deal of time there before making my way up to New York. I've been here like 15 years now, so I really think of this as my home. But for anybody out there that grew up in a town that you moved away from, it could be weird and bittersweet and nostalgic to go revisit your town. You notice that you know, this street on 7th Avenue used to be brick and now they paved it over and this used to be a gas station where I used to, you know, get beer as a teenager. Now it's a condominiums or it's a high rise or that it's the old coffee shop, the old movie theater. Stuff closes, you know, stuff changes and the town, for better or worse, uh, it evolves. And it's just a little bittersweet uh, to, to realize that you aren't there anymore and you may or may not be part of it and your memories are also being changed, you know, and maybe in some ways erased. So hometown 
is about that concept of revisiting where you came from and experiencing nostalgia. But in terms of uh, your question, my mom and dad were both very hardworking people. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was an accountant. And they split up when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. So they raised three kids you know, on their own and they worked really hard at it. So I try to take some of those values of hard work and put them in things I do. You know, I, I work really hard on my craft, on songwriting. I work really hard as a musician. I work really hard on tours. I work really hard making things and building community here in New York. So that's the value that uh, they brought to the table and I've tried to bring into my own life. I get a lot of pleasure out of working really hard on things. And I love, Drew, that you talked about family. You talked about your mom working hard and just having that connectedness. I mean, I'm very close to my mom as well. And I, I remember with her, she worked as a PE teacher for a while and then she actually became a paraprofessional. And it was such a great experience, like being around my mom when I was in school. I mean, I got bullied a lot because my family, my grandmother, my aunt, and my mom worked at the same school. Um, so I experienced that, but it taught me just, you know, the importance of community and, and asking for help and just being aware, socially aware of, you know, connections we can build um, as we grow up. And so that was such a great experience for me. Uh, but yeah, I think hometowns are important. I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm proud of New Orleans. I love my city. Um, even though I live in a different city now, I just always remember just being able to go to Bourbon Street or Canal Street or Jackson Square and flea markets. And it's just things you just never forget about those experiences or when you think of like um, Southern Classic and, you know, and things, you know, Bayou Classic, excuse me, guys, but Southern and, and Grambling and Essence Festival and just the Saints games. And it's just something about those experiences that I will always hold dear to my heart. And it also made me who I am as an adult. I mean, going through Hurricane Katrina and Rita. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those experiences, they helped me, you know, to grow to who I am. Yeah, I hear you, man. I mean, I'm from, I grew up in Florida, so we got hit by, I mean, Hurricane Andrew was devastating. Hurricane Aaron was devastating. I was in Pensacola at that time. So I definitely know what you mean, you know? Absolutely. Well, we survived it. Thank God. Like I said, I was rem yeah. so grateful that I'm still here. All right, so Drew, I got another one for you. Reach the light. So is there someone that you were close to that has passed away? And if so, if you had the opportunity to ask that person one question, what would you ask them and what response do you think you might receive? Okay, uh, so Reach the Light is a song that was on my last full-length record. And it has a lot to do with what happens you know, when you reach the end of something. Um, so, you know, whatever happens when we reach the light, whatever happens at the end of the night, those are some of the lyrics. And I'm not a deeply religious person, but I grew up Catholic. And these are questions that were always really interesting to me. Um, it's not a down song. It's pretty like rock and roll sort of song. But it's always been something that I think we're all curious about, you know, and in some ways, uh, that song does allow us to think about folks that might have passed on. And specifically your question, I would probably talk to my grandma. Uh, she, I grew up with my grandma raising us, you know, my, my mom and dad split up and my grandma was 
moved down from Pensacola and she lived with me through all of middle school and high school and even into college. She was just a dear friend and she raised us. And um, I'll probably have her, um, she used to be a really great painter and I would probably have her teach me something about uh, painting. You know, like she just did these kind of Bob Ross landscapes, but she got a lot of joy out of it. And she's actually one of the only people in my family that I remember in having an artistic bone, you know, like she was not a musician or anything, but she just enjoyed painting. She got a lot of pleasure out of it. And I would love to sit with her and paint. Now, Drew, you know, one of the funniest things is seeing me paint. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Uh, I can't even paint a stick person. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even trace. Well, I, I don't know what that was. That definitely was not an artistic thing that I ever picked up. But I love people who can do things like that because my, my dad was really good at it. Um, but I just remember just growing up and they had this, they called it the Art Quest Fest. And I think I was in fifth grade. Yeah, it had to be fifth grade. And so they had us do t-shirts and I did Tony the Tiger. Now, why in the world did I think that I could, dr- I know I was sitting up here like Tony the Tiger, why am I first of all choosing Tony the Tiger? Secondly, why did I think I could draw Tony the Tiger? And by the time I got done with it, I don't, he looked like Simba from the Lion King. It was horrible. That's hard. <laughs> At least it was a cat, you know, like it was a different cat family. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah. If that's what you want to call it, they gave me an honorable mention ribbon. It definitely did not go in the top three. But it just reminded me of just the fun part of it, because I think that's the with being an artist. And I know you can attest to this. Um, it's about creating something that you like and then hopefully that other people will receive as well. But it's about a message. It's about a feeling attached to it. And when I listen, especially to songs, I'm about lyrical content. I'm also about an emotion and a feeling that I get from what something I hear. And so I think that's something you do really well is connecting the lyrics, the emotions to your own feelings to hopefully reciprocating that with others where we all feel like we're a part of a, a so almost like a social experiment, but it's an experiment that ends not in, combust, in combustion. You know, it's more of like we are able to connect because we actually are able to love what you've presented, or at least I have been able to. Yeah. I mean, that means a lot. You know, I've worked on that a lot over the last couple of years, just trying to make something that I first and foremost really love and appreciate. Uh, And then I think if you do that, someone else will also love it because there's a a level of honesty to it. Um, If, if artists just make stuff with their first goal being, being you know going viral or getting this many plays or selling it to this person it's not honest you know it's like it's an extrinsic reason for making music and i think you have to start with some kind of intrinsic reason where you are searching for something you're just like hey i don't know i'm just making something that i like and we'll see what happens and you hit the nail on the head i think intrinsically uh, we have motivations and we have values that people forget and i think a lot of times we talk about just intrinsic versus extrinsic. It's just being aware of, you know, why, the why and why I'm doing certain things or the feeling I want once it's actually released. And that goes back to even like the first answer you gave with anxiety, like if I'm doing deep breathing, 
why do I feel I need to center myself? What is going to be the result once I've actually released this anger, frustration, depression? If it resurfaces, do I use the same thing that worked or do I revise it and add other things or ask people for suggestions? And I think musically, it's the same difference. Like certain styles of music. I'll use Beyonce as an example, which is probably the easiest one that most people will know. Like now she's diving more into house music and doing something different with Break My Soul, which is a great song, but it just goes into when we think of the Lemonade period or we think of when she first started with Crazy in Love. Like she's done so many different types of music and different vibes and she's not just going with the times. Like, oh, everyone is liking this. She's taking things like Robin, you know, you know, S, who actually came up with the song that she sampled, you know, and bringing her more to the forefront where if someone never heard of her, that they can go research it and learn more about it. And so I love the connection in music, but also just brings things from the past to the present, hopefully to our future. And I think like that can help to connect us in a different way. Yeah, I just heard that song yesterday for the first time. It's dope. Yeah, I mean, Beyonce is just this amazing. I mean, I don't know where she finds the time and energy to connect with her Ivy Park brand to just, you know, music, to being a mom, momager, you know, being just all around amazing human being. And I think like that's, that just shows, you know, when she started in her career with Girls Time and then Destiny's Child and then where she is now. And I feel like, Drew, you have that same potential. Like it's, people just need to, to recognize, you need to know what you're bringing, but you also have to know why you're doing it and also having a purpose in, in, in your music, in your craft. And so I had an opportunity to actually interview a guy who worked with her and he just talked about how amazing that experience was, but she was so down to earth. And so that is what I love to hear when I think of, you know, celebrities or people who have influence that when someone meets them, it matches what we thought about that person. Absolutely. All right. So I got another question for you. If you're ready, we're going to go into reason to cry. So when was the last time you cried either tears of joy or tears of sorrow? Okay. Uh, so this song, reason to cry. And for anyone that's out there listening, all, all his all his questions are geared around at least one song here. This is a song called reason to cry, which uh, sounds like it might be a melancholy piano ballad but it's actually kind of an upbeat rock and roll song and sometimes when i write songs i have a really clear vision of the story i know i might have a title or i might have some lyrics or i might have some music uh, other times things just kind of evolve and i don't i just have phonetics or i just have some melodies without lyrics i, I don't know what the song is about and this one started out like that you know, i wasn't exactly sure what it was about and basically the song mentions a lot of different reasons to cry some of them being kind of silly and strange and off kilter and some of them being like pretty genuine you know different reasons to be moved um the last let's see last time i cried a tear of joy um every once in a while um i'll get um when you make music you have to listen to your songs a number of times that they don't they don't usually resonate with you anymore. Like by the time the song gets out into the world, uh, you know, I heard it hundreds of times when I was writing it, thousands of times when I was mixing it, hundreds more times when it was being mastered. And then, you know, by that point, you can be disconnected from it. But if you let time go by and all of a sudden the song disappears and, and you hear it six months later, two months later, three months later, and I had some music mastered and I put on some nice headphones and I was very moved. I was moved by a, a song that 
I wrote called uh, Ride Into the Sun, just because the mix and the master was so beautiful and I got lost in it. And, you know, and also be, and I was very, I was very proud of myself and my team. You know, I was very proud of everybody that worked on it. Uh, on the flip side, in terms of last time I cried, I don't, I don't cry a lot in terms of um, feeling down. But when it does happen, I try to embrace it and let it go because uh, my body needs it. Um, and during the pandemic, when I, I split up with my partner. Um, we had been together for some years, you know, and I, I won't go into the details of that, but it was a really hard time. And splitting up was hard, but the, the physicality of moving out of an apartment that we shared together, that was awful like that was an uh, incredibly taxing and the last day that i moved out the last thing which was our piano i just bawled i just lost it you know and it was like to be honest with you I, the 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 breadth of us breaking up didn't hit me until i physically moved out the last thing you know and it was like a physical representation of what was going on in the inside uh, and I just let myself cry for a bit. You know, I needed to do that. It was cathartic, and it was it was it was a long time coming. You know, so those were the last two times that I've experienced tears. Well, I'm I'm first of all sorry to hear about that ending. I know when one thing ends, of course, we always have new beginnings. But the hardest thing is letting go of parts of of the relationship. And it's not just about the person, because I think that's where people get confused. It's like, oh, I have to never think about that person again. Well, you created memories, you know, with an individual, and it's not about just letting go of all memories. It's just keeping track of what you store and how you store it in your mind, and then moving forward, not taking a lot of the negativity with you to a future yeah. friendship or relationship, because then it makes it hard for you to connect, because you go back to, oh, this reminds me of this, or this is looking or appearing like that and we have to give ourselves grace before we can give other people grace right to to present themselves in the best light that they can but like you said we're all just works in progress at times and you know moving forward definitely when you have the last thing that reminds you it reminds me of my grandfather when you said that of like there was um a ring that he had and i never had the ring um because he ended up giving it to another family member and then the ring was lost. And then it just reminded me of, I wish I had it. But then I had to remember, that's just life. You know, things happen. I have the memories. And, you know, 19 years later, you know, I still think of him in such a high regard and talk about him all the time. And that's a way of me paying respect to him and his name by sharing his story. And then also by me living my best authentic, loving life for other people. So when people see me, they see him. And so that's what I always try to keep that in mind and that helps me keep myself centered and then also it, it helps me to understand that as I evolve in my own life that I don't have to get stuck or become complacent that I can always still grow but just grow in a different light with new people and new experiences oh yeah I love hearing that that makes perfect sense thanks sure I appreciate that all right so I have another question for you um different but not distant so if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to young Drew? And what is one major difference that you've seen in yourself as an artist since the release of your first single? 
Mm, interesting. Two, all right. So this is a two-parter. Different but not distant is a piano song. It's just a nice little piano moment on my record, familiar. And it doesn't have any lyrics. It's just it's it sort of feels like a drifting, nostalgic kind of piece. Uh I was just talking about this like yesterday. I was like, what if you could have a a little a, like enter a little wormhole and chat with yourself when you're 15? You know, now that you're here and you're making music as a musician, what if you could like they could see what you were doing? Because I remember when I was 15, I was like, you know what, I'm being an artist and a musician, or I'm I'm being you know, I'm gonna do something creative. And you always imagine at, when you're 15, you're like, oh, I imagine myself, you know, on a stage or like you know drinking champagne with people. The truth is that, you know, if, if they zapped into the future and saw you like yesterday, it was like, Oh no, I was wrapping cables for two hours and packing gear down. <laughs> like most of it's pretty mundane. It's pretty boring. Like as there's little pops of awesomeness, but uh, most of what you're doing, if you showed yourself with your 15, you might just pick a different computer, a career track. You know, maybe you'll just be, an engineer or something. So anyway, if I had, uh, if I had um, the ability to just tap into myself and say, do, you know, I was 15, I'd say, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. It, it, you're gonna, it's going to turn out just fine. I don't know if that's p- completely answers your question, but there's part, part one. I think you had a second part too. What else? What was your other one? Please remind me. Oh, no problem. The second part of that was, what has been the major difference that you've seen in yourself as an artist since the release of your first single? Oh, got it. Well, I think part of being a musician and artist is allowing yourself to evolve, but also in some ways playing the game of understanding what your brand is and what you do and what you're good at and what people like from you. Um, You know, I I don't have a lot of control over what's going to be successful or what people are going to listen to or gravitate towards. But once I find that, you know, once you find your artists, once you find your people, once you find your audience, once you find what they like, you kind of have to find some way to give them a little bit of that. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those artists that is going to do something completely different that I have to sort of bring my fan base along with. You know, you have to kind of do that stuff slowly. So there's, I've written a lot of music that I think of as, you know, I'll describe it as nostalgic. I describe it as maybe a little melancholy. I would describe it as very beautiful, sometimes peaceful. Like I don't, I don't really write, I'm not good at writing things that are like loud or abrasive or aggressive. So not that I couldn't go in that direction, but that's not what people like from me. So I'm trying to always keep that stuff in mind. I do want to give people what they're asking for, but at the same time, I want to keep on exploring what I'm psyched about. The only, the, the biggest thing that I would say is in terms of what I've, what my new music sounds like and where I've evolved to is that I have a lot more comfort and confidence um, in doing less. I think some of my first records, I had just got out of school. I felt like I had a little something to prove. Sometimes there's a few extra chords. Sometimes there's a few extra lyrics or a melody that rambles on my ears you know and the note the, the record i wrote now like there's songs that have two chords you know and it took a long time for me to be comfortable and confident enough to write a song that just had two chords because i don't think it needs any more you know so those, those were that's the way that i've been attempting to evolve 
I like that. And I, I think being simplistic can still stand out. I think that can be lyrically as well as sonically. I feel like there's, yep. that is who Drew is today. And Drew can change next week and say, hey, I want to do this. I'm going to try something I've never tried and see if it works. And I think that's why I love, um, especially the internet as it relates to this, is that you get instant feedback. And if it's a video content or if it's a song release, it's not necessarily the numbers. It's about reading the comments, taking it in, you know, not, of course, internalizing if it's all negative, but just say, hey, that's something that didn't resonate with this person, but this is something that resonated with me. How can I still be myself and still relate even, or maybe my audience has changed. Maybe the, the fan base I had before has shifted and that's okay too. I mean, I don't have to change and conform, but I can still keep a part of Drew and still be authentic. And I think like that makes the marking of an amazing artist is when you, you know what type of artistry that you want to create, but then also the time, like you said, if you're going back and listening to playback or you're doing, you know, having someone else to come in to, to do the editing or, or mixing or mastering, like all of that takes teamwork. And if it's just you by yourself doing it, then it takes time. And so just knowing that I want to produce the best thing that I can, but also that it's something I'm comfortable with, I think is just vital for especially artists today. Thanks, Drew. All right, so I only have a few more questions for you, Drew. So the first one is, if you could describe your sound in one word, what word would you use to describe your sound? And the second part of that is, is there an artist that's out right now that maybe our listeners would be surprised that you would like to work with? Mm, okay, so, you know, I've always described my music in the last five or eight years as digital nostalgia. And uh, I'm very interested in this idea of nostalgia. I think all of my music has a dreamy quality. And I say digital because like we are, I'm a millennial. Many, many people that like my music are millennials. And we kind of grew up in this world where digital nostalgia didn't exist. So we, we grew up with without the internet and then it kind of came into our world. Uh, so what I mean is that not only am I nostalgic for a time before the internet, I remember the baby internet, you know, I remember having um, a calculator on my cell phone, you know, and using it in math class. I remember downloading uh, Nokia ringtones, you know, when like the ringtone game was a big thing. So there's like this weird nostalgia for things that were never physical. Um, they were just digital, you know, like old websites and MySpace and Napster, like all these things that kind of came in and went away, but I'm nostalgic for some of them. Their look, their feel, their sound even, you know? So that's something that I'm very interested in, this idea of the sound of nostalgia. Man, well, Drew, you brought me back because I go back to walkie-talkies and <laughs> Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> Discman, tape, cassette tapes, you know? Oh, shoot. Well, I'm an 80s baby, so I totally just remember that experience and just, you know, it, it's something like, I just mentioned this the other day, I did an interview with an artist and we talked about like standing in line and waiting to buy a ticket, to buy a CD. And I mean, yep. I love that. And I, I miss it so much. I mean, that was something I just enjoyed. Like I would wait for Tuesday or when Circuit City was such a big thing, I'd be at Circuit City at Best Buy and like, I'm running to get yep. there and or, you know, because it was such a great moment for me as a kid. And then I used to have my own CDs and I would like feel like I was a DJ and I was I, just, I don't know what was going on in my childhood. But I loved 
music. And that's why I love this show because I have different people, people from different walks of life and not just musicians, but I primarily talk to a lot of musicians. And it just reminds me of just how much I love music and how it, it inspires us. It, it helps uplift you. It can be healing as, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm, I've been recently fascinated with this idea that um, here at the loft, we, we want to try to be able to play any medium of music and sort of nerdy, but like we have a vinyl player, we have, you know, a hookup for your iPhone, you can play MP3s or whatever. We also have a CD player and a cassette tape player and we have all that stuff. So I, when you think about some of your favorite records over the decades, they sound best on the medium that they were designed for. So it's like if you got Nirvana's record in utero or nevermind, like that was in the middle of the 90s when cassette tapes were huge. So if you listen to that on cassette tape, it sounds amazing. Like it sounds great. And if you got like a Beyonce record from the 2000s, CDs were the dominant medium. That stuff sounds better to my ears on CD. Like the way you use it, the way you interact with it, looking at the jewel case and just the sound of it, because that was the, the gold standard of the time. Like that's what was supposed, that's where we're supposed to be played. And likewise, you can go back and listen to Fleetwood Mac record in the 70s. That was vinyl. Like that stuff sounds great on vinyl. You know what I mean? So it's been fun to go to that journey and say, not only do I love this record, but I want to own it on the medium that it was designed for. Man, I like that. I think that's something that we just forget. And like you said, I remember just having vinyls um, growing up and just being able to just listen to music. And even when it when stuff would skip, you'd be like, it doesn't matter. It's like the song. <laughs> yeah, but you're right about that. I think just using different platforms and, and how it was meant to be used at that time is very important. So Drew, I only had two more questions. So I'm going to buy, combine yeah. these last two together. So the first First question I have is, um, how can our listeners find you online? So how can our listeners find you? And then the second part is, what's next for you? If you can tell us, do you have okay. anything new, tour dates, music, things, music videos we need to look out for, uh, we would love to know. Love it. So I'm easy to find because I'm Drew with a U. So Drew Cutler, and that's D-R-U-C-U-T-L-E-R, -E like cutlery, Drew Cutler. And I'm on every streaming platform so if you spotify follow me i know that's cheesy but that stuff really helps you know getting those numbers up i'm on apple music i'm on amazon i'm on title i'm deezer like whatever you use to get music on the internet i'm there uh, and then also um i use every platform but instagram is one i like a lot so keep in touch with me on instagram again drew with the U. it's easy to find and that's where i'll be posting tour dates i'll be posting all kinds of stuff i have going this summer i'm about to hit the road for the first time since the pandemic, I've been playing back for another year, but mostly just regionally in the Northeast. Um, the next couple of months, really, I'll be in Los Angeles. I'm playing Hotel Cafe. I'm being in Nashville. I'm playing the East Lounge. I'm be in Florida. I'm going to be in New York City. I'm at Rockwood Music Hall. So I've got a lot coming up. And if you can't make any of those, I have a single coming out. So my, on my birthday, which is fun, next month, I'm releasing a really beautiful summer jam which is it's called ride into the sun so if you're going into to the beach uh you're hanging with some homies in the backyard like this is the track that you should bump well drew i'm just so excited for you i i'm just very proud of what you've been able to produce thus far i can't wait for the new music to come out and just keep being yourself i think that you have a lot of great qualities 
that is going to help people to connect with you. And then hopefully you start to gain more traction and have more fans and people who can check you out. Cause I love the music. I found you on Instagram, heard your music. And I was like, this guy really needs to be on the show. And I'm just so glad that you were able to share your story with us to learn more about your hometown, learn about your music career and then just life in general. I think you have a lot going for you and I just want you to keep succeeding. Thank you so much, man. You're, you're very hardworking person and super inspiring. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you, Drew. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, we thank you, Drew, for being on Black Canvas. And if you ever would like to come back, we have a second show, which I host, which is called Space Between. And it's very similar to like MTV Unplugged where you hear music live. Um, so if you want to perform any of your songs, we would love to hear the list of the ones we've already talked about or if there's some new ones. I would love to have you back so you can perform so we can hear how amazing you are. Cool. Well, y'all heard that, you guys. Drew will be back. So, Drew, we're just so glad that you were here. Thank you for making time to be on the show, and I hope you have a great Anytime. day, Drew. All right, bye. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not afraid of